Now, we want to settle ourselves, still ourselves in the presence of God, and we want to ask the Lord's blessing. So let's pray together in prayer before we sing any songs. Father, we want to thank you for bringing us here together this evening, this morning, and thank you, Lord, for your mercies which are new every morning. We thank you, Lord, that we have breath in our body and desire in our hearts to be here, Lord, to, to sing your praises, to lift up the name of Jesus. Lord, and we long that that's the, that's the reason we're here. We want to meet with him. We want to sense God in the very midst. We want, Lord, to be blessed of God. We want to know that you are here. We want to lift up our tributes of praise and thanksgiving. We want to be a people who are, whose hearts are filled with thankfulness for all that the Lord has done for us. So, Father, close us in with yourself, we pray. Bless us, Lord, as we seek to bless you. And may each one know that they've been in the very presence of God today. For we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. We're going to get you stand and sing with these first three songs. There's a variety of different genres of songs this morning, but we're going to start with 10,000 Reasons. Let's stand and sing. We're going to try and keep it moving along nice and smoothly, so let's all stand together. And if at any time you want to sit down, please do that. And uh, if you're not able to, stay standing. All right, 10,000 Reasons, let's all stand and sing.
Well, we are here this morning because of his wonderful grace, and uh, when we think of where we came from, it is truly amazing grace. This is amazing grace.
just one more song. Last year, uh, last last year, last week, as you know, was my first year, first full year here. We kind of half celebrated it, and we had Edwin Michael here along to speak as he would do on an annual basis. I remembered one song during the week that we had sang at my induction here, and it is certainly something that we have seen, at least in part, happen in this church over this past year. I was talking to someone quite recently, and they said. All I can, the only way I can explain what has happened in my heart in this last year is I've been revived. Amen. I think there's a wee touch Amen. of something like that happening Amen. amongst us. Amen. So we're going back about a couple of hundred years to sing this next song. Revive thy work, O Lord. This is the song we sang at my induction, and I thought it would only be right that we sing it again today.
Amen. Well, we give you a wee rest and you be seated. We're going to have Maya, Maya Gordon, please. Maya's going to come and read the scriptures for us just now. Thank you very much. So reading from James 1, 19 to 25. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Thank, thanks, Maya, for that. appreciate it so much. Um, uh, look, we're going to stand and sing one more song, please, and then it's, uh, we're going to get out of our communion, and our communion time, and it is, the Lord is my salvation. <coughs> so you'll be out of breath by the time the service is over, so we'll stand and sing again.
could have seen it. Let's just fill our hearts and bow together in prayer. Let's continue to remember William McKendry. I think he's still in the hospital. Let's remember him. He needs our prayers today. Let's remember those who aren't so well, but let's also remember those who need God's touch for whatever case or situation they may be facing. Let's pray for our own land, for our own hearts, our own lives, our own families. So thankful to hear yet more breakthrough in the youth club last night. So I've heard of four young folk responding to Christ. It's wonderful, isn't it? What, what God's doing. And, and uh, I have other stories to tell you as I, as I preach my message. But God is, God is on the throne. He's working. So let's pray. Father, thank you for the atmosphere of God. Thank you for your presence amongst us. Thank you, Lord, that you are working a work. And your word says, who will stop it? Who will, who will get in its way? Lord, we pray, Father, for uh, William McHenry today. God, we pray that he may know, Lord, full and complete recovery from his sickness. Lord, will we pray for him. We pray for every person. We pray for Sally Bennett, Lord. We thank you for this improvement there. We pray to you, Father, for uh, everyone that's on our hearts and minds, those who are recovering, Lord, those who are going through uh, treatments, whatever. Lord, we pray that you'll bless your work today. Uh, Lord, we pray that you'll continue, that, you'd, uh, that the, the, it'll even increase, Lord, uh, amongst us in these days. We pray, Father, for our families. We pray that you'll set a canopy over them and surround them, Lord, because the, the enemy goes around as a roaring lion, your, your word says, seeking whom he may devour. Bless the Sunday school, Lord. The children have gone to Sunday school just now. Thank you, Lord, for the Bible class that meets at 11 o'clock here every, more, every Sunday morning. Thank you of the youth fellowship next Sunday evening. Thank you for the youth fellowship, the youth club last night. God, we pray that you will uh, saturate us with your spirit, we pray. And grant, O oh God, that we may know the spirit of God working amongst us, working through us. Lord, even today, Lord, we commit ourselves to you. We commit, Lord, this remaining 35, 40 minutes to you. Pray, God, that the Spirit of God will have freedom, free course, that he'll have a monopoly with our hearts today. Lord, that he will not be restricted or restrained. Lord, from the youngest to the oldest, we need to be revived, Lord. We need the revival fires of God to burn again. Lord, be, Lord help us not to settle for the ordinary, the usual, the mundane, the, the, the human. Lord, help us to not settle for anything outside of God. We pray that you will move in such a way Lord, that the nations will take note that God is here. Lord, we thank you that your word says, as the disciples walked out among the people, it says they took note, note of them that they'd been with Jesus. Lord, that's, that's what we want. We'll settle for nothing less. So, Father, hide the preacher behind the cross. Give us, Lord, not only uh, anointing to preach, but anointing to hear. Uh, give us listening grace, speaking grace, and, and meditating grace, and responding grace, we pray. Lord, we ask for your help, Lord. Because, Lord, I, I confess to these people, I can't do it. Can't do it, Lord. And, and forgive me when I try. Lord, we pray that your spirit will come. And we roll, the, the, Lord, as we bring up this offering and tithe, Lord, we pray that you'll take it and use it for your honor and your glory. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We're going to get you seated for the first part. And if you don't mind, Jonas, we'll sing the first and the last two verses. First in the last two verses, Richard, of this next song, be that I know it's an awkward tempo, but anyway, we'll try our best to get through it. Remaining seed with an offering and tithe will be taken for the Lord's work. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart.
two other things you'll see these little cards it probably spells out the church's vision as you know that at the end of last year I was telling you that this year was going to be the year of 2024 and knocking every door I haven't asked anyone to help me do it because I don't want you to be doing it because I'm asking you I want you to feel called I don't want anyone thinking that they have to do it I would be going around the doors just speaking to people about the Lord see how the church can meet their need how we can uh, communicate and connect with them and uh, just to see where people are at so uh, uh, so that's what we're about um, I forgot to say that there's a crash up the stairs if anybody is interested in the, in the crash but uh, that's what I'm doing those little cards but if you want to go around your area your community I've got 5,000 of these uh, you can take a handful and just go around your neighbors and they'll see the vision of the church they'll see what we're about I'll read you a wee bit of it and just let you know uh, in the front page it says a church for the whole community because that's what we want to be uh, I don't want to be restrained by denominationalism uh, a church for the whole community sharing the message of God's love and grace seeking to encourage inspire and nurture a healthy life in Christ that's that's our vision can you agree with that and the back page it says where Christ is exalted people are valued worship is heartfelt God's word is important and God's presence is enjoyed. Take that little card, and uh, I don't want you to uh, just use it as God would lead, uh, and, and that's all I would ask. There are other pieces of information, Gospel Mission to South America, which I'm in, on the board, uh, and they go into the South American uh, countries bringing the gospel, and uh, Nigel Kizik's involved in that. And then there's the word for today, please take that as well. And then the mission boxes, there are some back 
And if you have been involved, some of you won't know what that's about. That's all right. But if, if those of you who know what the mission boxes are about, they're due to come back. As we look at this world of politics, morality, criminality, social unrest, and everything else that's been forced in upon us, it would be easy to ask, God, what are you doing? What are you allowing? Why are you allowing it? It would be easy to become discouraged, and some people have, and some people have thrown in the towel. People haven't understood. And, and what happens is we focus on the, on the terrible things of this world. We, we spend our time complaining or questioning God rather than reminding ourselves that God is on the throne and God is in control. And God allows what God wants to allow because God is God. And he always has an ultimate reason and purpose for what he allows. And instead of us complaining, what we ought to shout, hallelujah, what a saviour. What a saviour. You can say, what, be there but for the grace of God, go away. And if, if you have been in the, in the Bible studies in the book of the Revelation, which we are involved in, you'll know that we win. The, the church comes through. The, the, the greatest praise service is in, in Revelation 4 and 5, and Christ is the one that's exalted. And thus, after all the tyrants and dictators and all the haters of the gospel of Jesus Christ have, have had their best and made their best try, that is when, at the very end of human history, Christ is on the throne and his people are still worshipping him. That's the message of the book of the Revelation. It's, a, it's all about Christ and it's all about our confidence in him. Returning to Habakkuk chapter 3, if you've got a Bible with you. Habakkuk chapter 3, and we're reading from verse 16 to 19. We will look at one or two other verses in Habakkuk, uh, Habakkuk's little prophecy. Uh, but these are, these are some wonderful verses, and they're rich in, in encouragement. I want to be an encourager. I don't want to flog the, the people of God. We've got enough flogging in the world, don't we? We've got enough flogging in the workplace. So, so let's encourage one another these days. And here's what it says, though, in chapter 3 and verse 17, though the fig tree shall not blossom, nor the fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive field and the fields yield no fruit. Or the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God is the Lord, or God the Lord is my strength. And he makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on high places. Make sure you pass this on to the choir master with strong stringed instruments. Not, not much is known about Habakkuk from Scripture. He is a small little book nestled towards the end of the Old Testament. Three chapters, but three great and glorious and very encouraging chapters. But nevertheless, Habakkuk means to wrestle. And he's doing exactly what Jacob had been doing. He's wrestling. He's wrestling with God as he sees his nation going down the Swanee. As he sees a, as he sees a heathen nation coming in and taking the people and running havoc through them. We, 
and he's questioning and he's doubting about God. Now, let me say something to you about doubts. You can only doubt what you believe. Think about that. If you don't believe something, then you don't doubt it. So it's not necessarily wrong to doubt something because it means you believe something. But circumstances and situations are causing you to wonder and to ask questions. And can I also say, God's not afraid of your questions. He's not intimidated by the questions you would ask him. But what he wants you to do is, when he does answer, he wants you to do something about the answer that he gives you. Habakkuk's doubting. He's about to throw in the towel, or he's threatening to throw in the towel. You'll see that in the chapters. But God comes again to his servant and encourages him and shows him that he is in control. And there seems to me to be a point in Habakkuk's life when he was able to say, I know whom I have believed, and I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. But he's struggling with two things. With the, or he's struggling with one thing, the divine providence of God which has two parts. Let me spell it out to you. The people of God are sinning a great sin, and God seems to be doing nothing about it. And then God's allowing a heathen nation to come in and run havoc upon them, to bring his judgment upon them, and he's saying, Lord, they're worse than we are. Why are you using them? I remember sitting in a mission that Sam Wharton was taken away back in my young days. I wasn't converted at the time. but I Sorry, I was. I was just converted at the time. And Sam Workman shocked the whole congregation. Now, it was in the Hillgrove Hotel in Monon. Have you ever been there? And at that point, the, the, the manager of the Hillgrove said that he had never seen as large a crowd as came to Sammy Workman's missions. And there we were sitting amongst 14 to 1,700 people in the Hillgrove Hotel. And Sammy Workman says, you know, brethren, he says, God is using the IRA and the UVF to bring his judgment on Ireland on the north of Ireland. And people were stunned that God would use a godless entity, that God would use something that's heathen and, 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 and godless to bring his judgment upon his people. And of course, when we got to meditate and ponder it, we realized that it's true. Didn't God use Syria? Didn't God use Babylon? Didn't God bless use the Assyrians? to bring his judgment. Isn't that why they were taken captive? Because his people had refused to obey and refused the discipline of God. Now, God says, you know, if you hear and you heed and you obey, you'll be blessed. There is blessing from the Lord. But as we do and as we obey what he says, listen, Marie McCarroll, who's been one of our mentors, and she would have went to Donald Cloney Elam Pentecostal Church, and she's still alive today, I think, and she's a mother in Israel, if ever there was one. And she said, you know, oftentimes, and you want to hear Marie's testimony, look it up on YouTube, you'll find it, I think. But she, she, she used to say, people say when they're coming out of meetings uh, and there's been a rousing, sort of hand-clapping, hand, uh, head-nodding, kind of half-dancing kind of, kind of a crowd, and she said, and people would say to her, that was a blessed meeting. And she often would reply to them and say, you weren't blessed until you obeyed what the Lord said to you. It's then that the blessing of God comes upon your heart. In chapter 1, 
Nehemiah is in turmoil. Look at it. You'll find it there. Or sorry, Habakkuk. Not Nehemiah. Habakkuk. I don't know where my head is today. Habakkuk. He's, he's in turmoil. Yeah, I think you'll find it in verse, verse, one, verse 2 of Habakkuk. Habakkuk says, uh, verse 2, O Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear? Or cry to you violence and you will not save? So he's in turmoil. You can see his turmoil. Have you ever wondered, Lord, why are you letting the heathen rage? Why, why is it that God's people also, always seem to be the ones that suffer and, 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 the, and the enemy of the gospel never seem to even have a headache? And they, they seem to be getting on well and they seem to be getting on without any real difficulty. And you ask yourself, God, why? What are you doing? Well, that's where Habakkuk was. He, he was in turmoil. He was in turmoil. You know, I heard someone preach recently, and I've said I really would love to preach that, but I need to get that other sermon out of my head before I take it. In 2 Chronicles 7:14, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked way, then will I hear from heaven, will forgive their sin and heal their land. But we forget the context of that verse. Solomon is after building a glorious temple. And, and, and he's dedicating the temple of God to our temple and, his, and the work to, to God. And, and in chapter 6, you'll see, and if the people turn away, and if they do this, and if they do that, and if they fall away, and if they go down into derision, then he says, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves. Listen, brethren. God is often using the circumstances in our lives to bring us closer to him, to bring revival. Let me tell you a wee story that has really got me excited this week. If you were at the prayer meeting on Thursday, you'll have heard it. Wednesday evening, I get a tearful recall from a young woman that I know quite well from my last church. She says, Brian's been taken into hospital. He's very unwell. And I think he's burst his appendix. And they're rushing him up to Antrim Hospital. Will you get people to pray? And he says, we'll pray. Now, they're supposed to come in to me on Thursday because I was doing marriage preparation classes with them because I'm committing marriage. On, oh, sorry, I'm marrying them on, on July, in July. And, and, and well, I said, that scuppers that idea. I won't marry anyone unless we do marriage preparation classes, by the way. I would rather you separated in our study than in a court of law. So I got a text that night, it's not burst appendix, but they found something in his stomach and they're not sure what it is, and I'm thinking this is worse. She seemed to think it was better. I thought it was worse. I didn't say that to her. I'm not Job's comforter. So, so, so uh, all, all the way Thursday morning, I, was, I, I need to go and see this fella. Now, I would normally go and see people. I was quite busy on Thursday, and I had the Bible study coming up on top of me, and I wanted to see other people. And then I wanted to go and see William McKendry. So I went down and seen William McKendry, and then I popped in on the way past. And the two of them were there. And I felt that this was an opportunity that God had brought around. Because they're not saved. This is, this is God. And the, I, I wasn't in 20 minutes with the curtain pulled around the bed, and both of them got saved in a hospital ward in Antrim. 
You see, oftentimes, folks, God, it might seem desperate and terrible, but God is doing something. And instead of us crying and complaining and condemning, God wants us to say, Hallelujah, what a Savior. What a Savior. We think if the Prime Minister does something, or the Chancellor of the Exchequer does something, or we think if the laws, new laws are passed, that that's going to change the atmosphere. I want to tell you, it's going to change nothing. My Bible tells me that things are going to wax worse and worse. So why do we expect them to get better and better? In chapter 2 then, he moves from the house of turmoil. And now he's going to his watchtower. You'll see chapter 2 and verse 2. And we, we'll read that. We'll just do a quick survey of this, of this chapter. He says, uh, and he says, oh no, he says in verse 1, he says, I, I'm going to take my stand and I'm going to watch what you're going to do, Lord. And station myself on the tower and look out to see what God will do. And some of you might be there. You're going to watch what God is going to do. I want to tell you, as I was preparing, I was saying to myself, oh, that we would find, we would find men, that we would find women that would be so burdened for our, for our land, for our young people, for our children, for our teenagers. I want to tell you, I was saying to folks last night, and, and you hear me when I say this, because I mean this. God knows I mean this, that we have got some of the greatest young people comes to this church. They're of a caliper that I haven't seen in years. There's a depth of spirituality and maturity. And I want to tell you, when the, the harder and heavier I preach, the more they tell me I enjoyed that. Now, that, that's not normal in today's society. We need, we, need, we need to covet what we have here. Folks, don't, don't let the devil in. I was talking to a few men this morning. See this building? We could, we could, we could fall out over this thing. I'm not, not one bit interested. You can put whatever you like in that wall. But let's not fall out over it. Let's, let's protect the unity and the harmony. Because I want to tell you, see even in your marriages, the devil's looking for a way in. And I, I've said before, and I mean it, that the devil can't make it happen. He looks for something that happens of our own human nature. And we get, we get a wee bit irate or we haven't had a good night's sleep or something's happened and we get a few bills. Boys, I've got a few bills in this week. Anyway, that's another crack. And, and, and I said to myself, yeah, yeah, listen, and, and see whenever you're a wee bit short and you haven't had any sleep, and the next thing then you're a wee bit, you say something you didn't mean to say, and you do something you didn't mean to do. Then the devil looks, and he gets into it. Make sure that harmony and unity is the priority in your life and mine. Oh, that we would have I'm not even into the message yet. Oh, oh that we would find... I'm, true, I'm not even into, into the half of the, half the introduction yet. Oh, that we would get people who would pray in such a level and to such an extent that we would lift the burden and we'd watch to see what God is going to do. Because I believe there's faith there. You know, the Bible says, stand still. Well, there's nothing passive about standing still. Stand still. God gives you a word. God gives you a vision. God gives you a promise. And by the, by the way, your flesh, the world, and the devil will try to push you off that promise. But God says, stand still. Stand still. 
and see the salvation of the Lord. Because I want to tell you, the devil will come at you. And the devil will come at you. And, and the old flesh will. Mind you, the devil can't be everywhere. We give him far too much glory. The old flesh does a wee bit of it as well. And the world does a wee bit of it as well. I'm going to wait and see what God's going to do. Notice what God says to him. Um, I think we go to chapter 3. Habakkuk, Habakkuk goes to, to, to prayer uh, and, and he goes into to his watchtower. I'm, I'm trying to find that verse. Yes, I. You know, here, this is God's response to him in chapter 2, verse 2. Write the vision. Make it plain on tablets. So he may run who reads it. And here's the verse. For, the, for still, or this, let me put it in the old King James. It's the only way I can tell. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. Wait for it. Though it tarry, it shall come. So what happened when he went into his watchtower in verse 1 and he waited for God and God imparted him, I'm going to show you what I'm doing. And he says, when I show you what I'm doing, he says, I want you to go and encourage the people. It's a wee bit like Peter, isn't it? Whenever, whenever Peter, he denied the Lord in oaths and curses. And then whenever the Lord came to Peter, Peter says, he, says, he restored Peter. And here's what the, the old King James says. And he says, when, whenever you have been, sorry, Whenever you're being converted, tell your brethren. It's almost as like whenever he was in his watchtower in chapter 2 and verse 1, that God comes to him. Because we don't get all the details of what's happening in Habakkuk's life. And so God, it seems, gives him a vision of what he's doing and why he's letting the Babylonians run ravage through his people. Because God's not knocking on chips and he's knocking on pieces and he's, he's causing them to be a stronger people. Does anybody here ever do some power walking? I, I remember a lady was walking, power walking in the, wee, in the middle of a wee narrow road and she got these sort of uh, headphones on her. And she didn't know that I was coming up behind her. And I said that wasn't a very healthy thing she was doing because she could have been run down. And, and you know, you're trying, they say about training and weight training that you are actually the more strength and the more, the more pressure you put on your muscles, actually you're damaging your muscles, but your muscles repair. Because I heard this in the news there this in the past weeks, so that's how I know. You think I know everything, I don't know everything. I just repeat what I hear from other people saying. So if it's a lie, I'm just repeating the lie. But, but they say that whenever you're doing weight training and that, that you're actually damaging your muscles, your muscles repair, and they get bigger, and then they get creating greater capacity. God is creating greater capacity in your life if you're going through the mill. A greater capacity for God. And you see, whenever you've been blessed, you have a greater capacity to be more blessed. Isn't that right? At least that's how I feel anyway. Write the vision. Make sure you rush to tell the people, I will work a work and who will let it? I'm doing something, though a tarry it will come. Don't you give up. Don't you throw in the towel. Don't, don't give, lose heart. Don't become discouraged in the midst of it. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Here's three things that I believe is... is well, well let, me, let me get into the introduction now. You, you, see, you see verse 17. 
I'm not messing. Look, look, look. Though, that word though is although. I'm not into much Thomas, Thomas Orr there. He's a wee bit of a builder. And Derek McKay down there, he's a bit of a builder. And I don't know the difference between trusses and beams, whatever. Does the trust rest on the beam or does the beam rest on the trust? What is, is that all the same thing? The trust, ah, right, right there. Well, the beam is, look at the word. It's in verse, verse 18. The beam is the word yet. The trust is the word although. Which is the trust now? Which is the one that rests on which? Bear with me. Help me out. The trust rests on the beam. The word although or though is the trust. And the word yet is the beam. Now, let me, let me give this to you. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, yet. You notice he says that? What does he say in verse 17? Yet I will rejoice. Though it seems morality is lost, yet I'm still in control. Although there seems to be little, little happening, yet I'm working behind the scenes. Although I'm broke, yet my father owns the cattle on a thousand hills. But where's the treasure? We haven't run out of money for this yet, Philip, have we? No. No, yet we're all right. Although I've got bad diagnosis from the doctor, God is still the great physician. Although my child is in jail, or is on drugs, yet I have a God who's able to deliver. Although I'm the only one left in my family, yet God is my husband, my wife, my greatest compassion. Why should we be able to say that? Why should we be able to say that? Three very simple things. His sovereignty never changes. His sovereignty never changes. I may not be able to rejoice in the, in the situation, but I can rejoice in my Savior. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Our sovereign God is still working, even though it seems that all hell has been let loose. God works in mysterious ways, the old saying says, his wonders to perform. And just as we learn from that young couple who are now rejoicing in Christ. I went back the next day. I went into the Faith Mission bookshop and bought them a Bible. I actually bought them a, a young married couple's Bible. Because I'm, I'm marrying them in July and I want to save money. So I give them the... And I gave them... I got, I got them a lovely Bible, leather-bound Bible, and I got them Bible notes and I got a wee message from the day. What a wonderful start to our life together. All because he got sick. I, I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know what challenges you're facing. But I can tell you a sovereign God never changes. He still works the same way as he's always worked. He still does the things that he plans to do. And he tells you and me, greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. That's the first point. Didn't take long to get that on over, sure didn't. He's sovereign. He never changes. His salvation never ceases. God is always looking for an opportunity to save. And mind you, he didn't pick you or me off the top of a pile of diamonds. He went to the local dump 
the dump place of humanity. And he picked us, polished us off. If you're coming to the meeting tonight, I have another wee illustration for that. I'm not going to give it to you now because I stayed in my own thunder. I know you look good this morning. Look at you. Look at each other. Look at each other. See, he's beautiful there. Go on, tell him. Tell him he's. Tell her it's just the most beautiful thing. Some of you have worn some lovely outfits. I, I know we get all dressed up, and some of us, you have your face all made up like me. I got the hair cut in Balamina. Last time I got it cut in Balamina. <laughs> so, so, some of you, can you charge me £13? <laughs> I'm used to getting it done for pensioners, it's £8. Some of you got lovely clothes on. I know some of you think that you're the most wonderful thing, and every time you go past the mirror, oh, aren't you beautiful? <laughs> but God went to the rubbish dump and picked you out of it. It's not because we were the top of the pile that we were the greatest. He adopted you, he brought you into his fold, and when he comes again, he'll bring you into his mansions. He never, it never ceases to amaze me why God saved me, but I'm asking the wrong question. I should be saying, what did you save me for? He saved me for his glory. Whenever he was dealing with Job, he was hanging Job up. It's, it's, it's almost like, like a theater. And to watch what God, uh, what, how, how Job could stand up under trouble, tribulation, and difficulty. And not once did he curse God. And he said, though he slay me, Yet will I trust him. And the, his friends and everyone around him had to watch what Job was able to do. My dear friend, God often allows us to go through the middle to see how strong we can stand. The nation of Israel were, were brought out of, of Egypt and out of sin so that the nations may know that there's a God in heaven. His salvation never, never ceases. Here's what it says in Jude 24 and 25. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before his presence, uh, before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forevermore. Amen. Janus, you stole part of my sermon. I will sing the wondrous story of the Christ who died for me, how he left the realms of glory just to save a wretch like me. I say all this to say this to you. God didn't bring you over the Atlantic to drown you in a puddle. Do you understand what I'm saying? He didn't bring you all the way from the, the depravity of sin and the shame of your nakedness before God and your deadness and sins and transgressions. He didn't bring you all that way to drown you in some wee trial or trouble. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He is doing something. And we have to cry, hallelujah, what a savior. Let me, let me tell you something. You see, there are three aspects to salvation. We are saved, we're being saved, and we will be saved. You know this, don't you? Anybody want to come up and tell us what it means? The day that you put your, heart, your, your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, he saved you. You mightn't have felt any better, and you mightn't have looked any better, and you mightn't have smelt any better, but you were saved. Because you're not saved by performance, and you're not saved by feelings, and you're not saved by your background, and you're not saved because of where you come from. You're saved by his sovereign grace and his sovereign grace alone. You were saved. Your name was written not in a sausage roll. Your name was written in the roll book of heaven. 
in indelible ink that can't be scrubbed out. Saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Sola fide, by faith alone. And then we are being saved. Oh, just getting complicated, preacher. Oh boy, I want to tell you. My greatest enemy is me. I'll make wrong choices, wrong decisions. I'll make wrong reactions to the things that happen to me. I'll react in the wrong way. And all the time God says, when is that boy ever going to learn? When is he ever going to respond and react the proper way? That's, that's it. I used to pray. Well, I still pray. But I, I, used, to, I used to pray, Lord, this, this became a burning desire when I could say, Lord, I want to be like Christ. I think that becomes a natural Desire within your heart when you get saved. And then I didn't realize the troubles. And I, I, within, within six months, Esther was in hospital with a very serious illness. I was in hospital with double pneumonia. And, and we had a wee baby not that long born. And there was hardly anybody around us. And I said, this, this salvation lark, it's not much fun, is it? And in those days, folks, you didn't have the, the uh, health, welfare, and well, certainly not in the south of Ireland, anyway. We were never offered an ambulance to take our child to hospital before he died. Never. Never. No help whatsoever. Then that was the day back then. That's, that's the right wee while ago, so there mightn't have been an awful lot anywhere. But now I know. See, whenever we travelled from Bandon out to, uh, out to Dun Dunmanway to do some evangelism and such a cloud, would, crowd, well, a cloud of darkness would just envelop me and I'd just drop down into tears, get back into the car and travel the 35 minutes back to the house again because the darkness just enveloped me. I now know that God was, God was training me. Many of the time when we react, we throw in the towel, we get angry with God, and we wonder why God, because we think, well, especially Protestants, we think that we, we, are the, we are the bees and knees, and God, God is under obligation to us. Isn't that right? He saves us. He delivers us out of those. He comes along and he convicts us and constrains us, and he nudges us to go in the right direction. We are being saved. And then one day when we get to glory, ha, that'll be a hallelujah chorus. Some of you boys who don't know how to be Pentecostal, you'll be Pentecostal then. Isn't that right? We've been saved. Instead of asking God why, why me, we should be asking God what for? God, for your glory, for your honor, for your praise. Notice, now, some people get all screwed up with this verse here in Ephesians 1, 5 and 6. He, breast, he predestined us for the adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. We forget that, don't we? His salvation never ceases. Very quickly, his strength never collapses. Habakkuk says, I'm staying here, I'm going nowhere, I'm going to watch and see what God is going to do. Then God tells him, write down the vision. And then when you get to verses 17 to 19, and at the very end, it's, it's a song, it's a prayer. It's a prayer. This man's praying. He goes from the turmoil to the tower, then to the triumph. 
It's a prayer of thanksgiving for deliverance. That's what it is. It's a prayer of thanksgiving and rejoicing. Interspersed, we don't read it, but interspersed in chapter 3 in Habakkuk, we have that word selah. And you know what it means? Pause and praise. Pause for a wee while and praise the Lord. Stop and think of where the Lord has brought you from. Stop and ponder as to what you think he may be doing in the situation. Stop and think, how can I praise God and display the power of God in the midst of this? When was the last time you or I paused just to give him thanks? I, I was... After the last evening, after the last Sunday evening service, a, a person said to me on the way out, "I've lost my first love. I don't know if God loves me anymore." I, and I went to see them on Tuesday. Spent an hour and a half with them, and they told me about the sickness, and they told me about the debt that they're in, and they told me about the circumstances, and they said, "I, I think God has forgotten me," but. I was in a nice, comfortable wee house. The heating was on. We carried it in the yard. Family that loved her, they had nothing either. And I said, you know, I don't want to give you their name. I said, you know, let's start and try and recount of all the things that God has done for you. Has he saved you? Yes. Well, that's good. And we recounted one thing after another. And before I left, you were smiling. God does love me. It's just that I think we, we evangelicals, we get a wee bit spoiled in the blessings of God, don't we? Never, never you try to, don't try to calculate the stuff that you're facing and come out with a conclusion God doesn't love you but you're not loved let's start thinking about the things that God has given you I, I, there was one family and, and, and this is the way years ago and, and they said we would love children and, and, and they were trying for children didn't have any children the next thing there was two children and then they couldn't come to church because the children were keeping them up at night I said, it's an awful, I said to them, I said, it's an awful thing that the blessing of God has become a curse for you. Couldn't come. They're too young to come to the evening meeting, to the morning meeting. We need to start reassessing our blessings, don't we? New every morning is his faith, is his, or his mercies. Great is. I've chatted on long enough. Chatted on long enough. You know, if Satan can. Let me put that. Let me say, because I, I don't want to give Satan the glory. The world, the flesh, and Satan can steal your song. But especially Satan, if he can steal your song, he's steal, stolen your strength. Because Nehemiah says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And he was the choir master in glory. He's lost the job and the job has been given to the church. Now, 
that that that, that word uh, uh, shout for joy is 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 a is 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 strain. He says here in the last line. He says to the choir master with stringed instruments. Train your vocal cords to shout the praises of him who loved you and, wa and washed you from your sins. Strain them. The devil has lost his job and God has given it to us. God's sovereignty never changes. God's salvation never ceases. God's strength never collapses. He is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ever ask or think. I have not seen nor hear, heard, nor hath it entered the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Be not weary in well-doing, for in due season you shall reap if you faint not. Let's start giving him praise when we're in the midst of peril, eh? He is our hallelujah. He's a strong tower. He's our battle axe. He's a way maker. He's a burden bearer. He's a hard fixer. He's a mind regulator. He's a bridge over troubled water. And he's Adam's redeemer. He's Abel's vindicator. He is Abraham's sacrifice provider. And he's Noah's ark. He's a root of the dry ground. And every time you need Jesus, he's not far away. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Let's bow together in prayer. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the uh, richness of your truth. Lord, we haven't even scratched the surface. Well, Lord, we thank you for the richness of your truth. As you, as you minister to our hearts, God, we pray that we will hear what God is saying to us in these days. Lord, in the midst of, uh, of all that's happening, you are still on the throne. And our safety and security is in Christ alone. Father, bless your word and bless your people, for we ask you in Christ's name. Amen. We're going to stand and sing together in Christ alone. My hope is found. Do come back again this evening, 6 o'clock, where we have Amanda. Uh, and I'm hoping she speaks long enough that I won't have to speak. Not good. And I'm coming prepared to say nothing. <laughs> so we'll, we'll stand and sing in Christ alone. Thank you so much.
this morning would would greatly value prayer. It may well be that you would like someone to pray while Sam and Sheila are here and others, but I will pray with you as you wish. And if you feel or if that's what something you'd like to do, then we will take time to pray with you. Don't leave if you would love just to come to God and say, God, I'm sorry for, for blaming you. Sorry for being impatient. Sorry for the reactions I've made. And you can come to him today. That's always good. It's always good to be prayed with. Don't bring it home with you. Leave it at the foot of the cross. Part us in your fear, Lord, and with your blessing. Bring us to our homes in safety. We pray that Amanda may know your blessing tonight, Lord, as she shares with us. And the Spirit of God will be in this place, Lord, that some soul might find healing. Uh, Lord, we often said we don't have a monopoly with healing. No, Lord, we, it's, it's God that heals. And so, Lord, we look to you tonight to move amongst, we pray. And everybody said, and they shouted. And if you're rejoicing, Thank you very much.